So glad that you were able to join us today. And uh, I'd just like to close out uh, by encouraging you to, um, you know, listen to the components of owning your own voice, of the things that causes God to recognize us, the things that give our enemy an advantage over us. And just really begin to uh, chew on that. If, if, and, you know, and, and it may not be you, you may be proficient at this already. Well, if it's not you and you want to have something in hand that you can share with somebody else who's coming along, you know, maybe they're not as bold or as confident, you know, then go ahead and share the message with them and bless somebody else. So Father, we just thank you and we praise you for our time here with you today. And we thank you, Lord, as you are employing, deploying, uh, Lord, empowering, igniting, Father God, causing your sons and daughters to manifest all over this earth, Lord, because there is great need of us, because there's great need of you and you manifest through us. You manifest your voice, your power, your glory, your majesty, your reality, oh God. And so, Father, we are up for the challenge. Thank you and praise you, oh God, that you're teaching us how to overcome our enemy, how to uh, run through troops and leap over walls, Father how to war, how to fight, how to win, how to conquer, Lord God, territories and lands and families and mindsets and paradigms, all for the kingdom of God, all for your glory, Father God, in the name of Jesus, all for the exaltation of Jesus Christ. And we thank you and we praise you, Father, for the wonderful privilege and opportunity. And Lord, we just believe that your spirit, Father, and your presence rested on this message. And Lord, that you drew Father, that you encourage, that you uplift it, and that you will use it, my Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, whichever way you see fit, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, go on in the strength of the Lord, be blessed, be encouraged, be empowered, be enlightened, for surely your voice is needed in the earth, so don't hold out on us, just give us the best that you got. All right then, blessings to you. Hello, so glad that you joined us today. Come in and make yourself comfortable. I'm Dr. Linda here with you on the Seats, Tables, and Invitations platform. Uh, so very glad to have you. Uh, so again, come in, uh, make yourself comfortable. If you like, you know, share with someone that you think might be uh, blessed by this. If not now, then after you've listened, if you think it's uh, worth a listen, then go ahead and uh, spread the love. So um, uh, today I'm going to share from uh, a message that I gave uh, last year. And again, we're kind of keeping with the theme of the unity of the spirit. Uh, our last podcast, we looked at you know, um, willingness and obedience, uh, that before we can have unity of the spirit with somebody else, you know, we have to, uh, strive to, uh, maintain harmony inside of our own selves as beings that are spirit, soul, and body. The greater that unity is, the greater that we can be in unity or oneness with someone else and have harmony within the body of Christ, you know, and, and, and the things that, that uh, God has called us to do. And so um, I'd like to title today uh, as um, owning your voice is critical. So owning your voice is critical. And it also is a component of the unity of the spirit, 
um, just having that harmony on the inside, being at one with God and his plan for your life and not only his plan for your life, but for the greater uh, audiences that your voice is called to impact. So the more you have unity on the inside of you about your voice being used of God, the greater peace you're going to have, the greater peace you have, the greater confidence that you will have in speaking and using your voice in the way that God called you to do. Um, and so I'd like to just... Um, um, uh, bless you with that message that I shared with a, uh, a prayer group uh, last year. But uh, again, the Lord brought it to mind that it, it's something that uh, is beneficial to the entire body. Okay, then God bless you uh, as you listen. Um, if I would, you know, what the title would be and all of that. Um, what I was impressed with was something that um, really God is seems, uh, seems to be highlighting in the body of Christ at this time. And uh, that is the significance of our voice. So uh, what came to me was owning your voice and what keeps you from doing so. And uh, I'd like to um, kind of share with you um, first before I get into the scripture and, and all of that, I just kind of like to share my journey with you. Um, I, I was saved maybe uh, 33 years, no, it's 40 years this year uh, that I was saved. And um, I was a young uh, teen mom, uh, well, I shouldn't say teen because I was a little bit older than that, in my early 20s when the Lord saved me. Um, but I was a teen mom. Um, I had my kids when I was young, um, you know, about three years apart. And um, I, knew I wasn't raised in the church. I knew nothing about those things, you know. So I came uh, to when the Lord saved me. I was, you know, it was all from scratch. I had no real references in my family or amongst my friends or in my neighborhood. Um, so I knew nothing about those things, but when he saved me, I was at a very, very low point. My self-esteem was very low. Um, my children's father, you know, he had said he did not want to be with me anymore. My heart was broken, you know, and so I was walking around uh, this person that I thought I had no future. I thought, you know, that, that life was over for me because of this whole situation, and, um, you know, so it was when I came to Jesus, it was a time of great brokenness in my life, a time where I really did not know who I was. <clears throat> I didn't know who I was, let alone using my voice, you know, for the Lord. But little by little, you know, um, the Lord taught my hands to war. He taught my fingers to fight. He taught me the meaning of, by my God, I shall run through a troop and leap over a wall. And indeed, he made my life a demonstration model of those two scriptures. But anyways, um, you know, uh, one of the things that I can remember distinctly, you know, um, let me back up. Um, one of the things that the Lord forged inside of me was a love for him because of the love that he had for me. Even though I didn't believe that I deserved the love, that love, that constant 
uh, love of his, you know, uh, his refusal, the stubborn love, his refusal to let go of my life, you know, and to hold on to me, regardless of what I thought, it truly transformed and liberated my own thinking about myself. So one of the ways, you know, that the, the Lord developed that early on was I, there were two things that I did early on, and I thank God that he led me, you know, uh, to a, a strong word-based church, a, a, a uh, ministry that was apostolic and prophetic in nature. And so I was exposed to those things early on, you know, the rightly divided word and all of that. <clears throat> but two things that, um, that, that he highlighted uh, in my life early on, one of them uh, happened to be intercession. I didn't know that that's what you called it. I had no idea of the terminology. I just knew that for out of love for God, I spent many hours praying with God for other people. And it was later that I realized that that was called intercession. And, um, you know, I, then I would go over to my church and I would... Um, I would pray, you know, uh, for hours. I would just go over there and, and pray for different people and all of that. Still hadn't gotten hold of, you know, the the aspects of uh, of spiritual warfare yet. I just, out of love for God, would go and pray. But one of the things that uh, happened, you know, and I'm talking again about owning our voices and things that keep us from doing so. And one of the first things that the enemy began to do to address me in prayer, you know, he saw that he wasn't going to stop me. But what he began to do was I would be praying and I would pray, you know, and it would seem like my prayers would only go so far and that it would hit some kind of ceiling, you know, and every time that would happen and I would be so discouraged, you know, like what is this thing and, and why is this always here? And then I heard uh, a message from Joyce Meyer. I don't remember the entire message, um, but I remember a piece that she said, and God gave that to me to open my eyes as to what was going on. And she said, um, there's like an evil foreboding was what she called it. And uh, she talked about how this thing comes to intimidate and to, you know, confront you and to uh, make you not go any further. And if you will begin to push past that, you know, uh, you'll see that the thing will move. And so um, I just took that. Like I said, it was just a tiny little revelation. Uh, but the Holy Spirit helped me to see that that's what was happening when I prayed. And so I um, began to address that in prayer. And I would, um, you know, just command this evil foreboding. I command for you to be removed. I knew enough to know that if uh, whatever I uh, bound on the earth, that Jesus was going to be backing me and binding it in heaven. And so I bound the spirit of evil foreboding. I command for it to move from over me, every ceiling that would try to be over me. I commanded it to move out of the way. 
And when I tell you that my prayers went to another level, it was like that was uh, a demonic force in the second heavens that was addressing me. The enemy knew, you know, the potential and the power of my prayers. And so he came to discourage me. And so I say this, you know, that we have to be willing to use our own voices. We have to understand that our authority comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, it's like uh, the Lord uh, made a deposit into our account, into our heavenly accounts when we got saved and uh, downloaded into our account was every sonship right, every in every part of our inheritance package, you know, just like uh, on a job, you know, you, you get hired and they let you know what all your benefits are. And so, um, you know, those are part of our benefits is the authority that the Lord gives us. He gives us authority to speak on his behalf, to represent him in the earth. And and we, we can't take that lightly, you know. There is nobody else down here on the earth that the Lord has given authority to, that he has given ambassadorship to other than the children of God. And it happens by way, you know, as many of you know, it happens by way of our relationship, our covenant relationship with the Lord. He has promised to hear us. He said if we, in uh, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, he says if we ask uh, anything according to his will, First of all, we know that he hears us. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what went on yesterday. It doesn't matter, you know, the circumstances of my life. It doesn't matter who doesn't like it. None of that matters. The word of God is written, and Jesus backs up his word. He says, if I ask anything, he allowed Paul to write. If I ask anything according to his will, first thing that I need to get settled inside of myself is that God hears me. And then it goes on to say, if he hears me, then I know I can have confidence that the petitions, the things that I've requested of him, he has granted those things to me. So it's about as simple as that, you know, but the trick is the enemy will always come along with his whisperings, with his lies, with his suggestions, with bewitchment, beguilement, manipulation of our thoughts, seduction, you know, he'll always try to twist something to make us think that somehow we're different. You know, he'll try his best to isolate us and put us over in a corner and make us believe that somehow our situation is different. That he may hear pastor, he may hear apostle, he may hear a prophet, he may hear my prayer warrior sister, he may hear anybody and everybody, but some kind of way when it gets to me that he doesn't hear me like that. And, you know, if we just settle that matter that, no, my voice counts in heaven. I am one of God's favored children. And when I come to him and ask him according to his word, his word is his will. If I ask him that, we know we can have confidence that I have the petition that I have requested of him. So, you know, I said um, a couple of things there. And, you know, one of the things that I said was removing the ceilings that would try to be over you, that would try to cap the anointing, cap the glory from which comes, you know, through your life. So our voice, you know, what the enemy will try to do is uh, keep us 
from confronting him. He wants us to be silent about what's going on and not to address what it is that we sense or we feel, but we've been given the authority to do so. Anything that stands in the way of the furtherance and, and, and the advancing of God's kingdom, we already have the legal right, the authority to address those things to command those things to move out of the way, to every hindrance, every uh, blockade, every stumbling block, anything that would thwart the will of God. So we have that. Now, where do we have that at? We have that in the geographical locations in which we have been situated. We may be affiliated with or have joined or go to an apostolic church. We may. Um, we may not. That might not be the terminology of our church. But the commission of Jesus Christ from the beginning to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature and also to go and make disciples of every nation, that, by, that in and of itself says that there is an apostolic assignment upon every one of our lives. Whether we go to a church that has recognized that yet or not, where that church sits, if God called that church to be, where they sit, the ground that it sits on, is, you know, that is some place that can be pinpointed on a map. You know, a satellite can zero down on that place. And that place, by its very nature, is a threat to the kingdom of God. And we have to know what we're a part of in the body of Christ. Uh, yes, you know, believers are to be sweet. We're to have all of the, the fruit of the Spirit. But meanwhile, uh, back at the ranch, Jesus told us, occupy until I come. Occupy is a military term. You know, uh, like you might have heard this term in, uh, you know, uh, war movies or something like that. Occupy territory. That means that somebody is sitting in that space, somebody is occupying that, and they are armed. They're armed to occupy that place as a stronghold, that whomever their enemies are, whomever opposes them, cannot come into that place. So, what did I just say? Um, with whether we, are, we know that we're a part of an apostolic um, a church mission or whatever, we may know that, uh, whether we don't know it, that by nature of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it is apostolic. When the Lord says, go into all the earth and preach the gospel, those are apostolic terms. That's a sending, a going forth, promising that, you know, these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall cast out devils in my name. They shall speak in other tongues. So they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He didn't say that that was only for the fivefold. He said that was to those who believe. So we have been authorized to do what Jesus did on the earth. We have been authorized to use our voice. When, when demons were inside of people, Jesus spoke to those things that were a hindrance in the life of those people, that forbid those people from seeing the kingdom of God on the earth. 
and so he addressed those entities to move. He said, what I did, you shall do that in even greater works. And so we are believers and we have been armed, we have been equipped uh, <clears throat> with the inheritance package, with every tool, every weapon that we will ever need that per pertains to life and godliness, not only for ourselves, but when we intercede for others, we bring all of our tools, all of our weaponry, we bring our artillery, artillery. we, we come to win on behalf of somebody else and we come on we come to win on behalf of the geographical locations in which we have been situated so we have to know that each one of us that our uh we have to know as children of god the power the importance and the significance of our individual voices uh, it's kind of like an orchestra, you know, and an, or an orchestra is made up of all kinds of different instruments, and they group them together according to their sound. But what has to happen in each section of the orchestra, every instrumentalist has to be skilled. They have to be skilled in their strumming of their violin, in, you know, whatever their instrument is, the blowing of some woodwind or whatever. They have to have practice. They have to have confidence that their sound makes a difference. So all of those individual sounds, first of all, they make up a particular section. And so it is... Uh, it is rich, you know, it is uh, uh, dense with sound, like say the woodwind section, you know, there are many of them, there's not just one where there's a faint woodwind sound, no, there are many of those that are in that section that are playing with precision, playing with skill, and then you put all of those sounds together, and it's glorious, you know, it's, um, it's transforming, and so you think about, you know, um, us as intercessors, as a part of the body of Christ, and say how many people, you know, how many intercessors are there in Northwest Florida that would take their own individual voices, relationship, time with the Lord as critical to the advancement of the kingdom of God. See, when we know what we are a part of, when we know that, you know, I cannot afford to be timid, I cannot afford to believe the lie of the enemy, that my voice is not critical to speak up, to speak out, uh, to bind, to lose, to address, to confront, uh, to rejoice, you know, to release praise, to release the glory of the Lord through my voice. The geographical locations where we're situated, they need that. God is depending on us that that will help to change, to transform the landscape in which we live. A lot of times, you know, um, we don't have to say anything. I remember one example, you know, of, of uh, Smith, uh, Smith Wiggles' work. You have to forgive me. And early in the morning, my, sometimes I'm tongue-tied. Um, but anyway, um, you know, uh, he, you know, it was the prayer life that he had. And, you know, such as any of you know his story, such a tremendous prayer life, and in uh, particularly the man that prayed for him, that, you know, bars were uh, shut down. And, you know, because the fear of the Lord fell in that place, there's so much that we can do, you know, on our knees. And so um, um, kind of have 
said a lot, you know, in those few minutes without uh, stopping. So I'll let you breathe for a second, you know, and take that in. And um, so, you know, the, the points that uh, we've made thus far or are addressing the things that would seek to be ceilings over us. That's one of the things that would seek to keep us from owning our own voice uh, in the form of discouragement. So if you've ever had that, if you've, you know, and it may not be for everything, maybe, you know, you have tremendous, um, you know, success in one area of prayer, but in another area, um, that it seems like when you hit that, there's a ceiling that comes. And so, you know, it brings discouragement or, you know, a fear about touching that area. Um, I would say, you know, to really begin to uh, seek the Lord for those particular areas as to what is this thing here, you know. And even you guys, you know, when you pray together as a whole group, you know, just a really, um, um, you know, being mindful of what happens when you're praying, what is the atmosphere like even when you address, you know, certain issues, when you, you know, maybe you address marriages and you, you sense that you've hit up against something or, you know, children or whatever, you know, it, uh, your, your prayer topic would be, you know, just make note of that, you know, and you might even, um, you know, um, ask, if any others, you know, because God will give confirmation if that thing is something that you need to address. So evil forebodings, you know, addressing those things, those ceilings. Um, you know, there was another gentleman uh, that did a lot of uh, prayer work in um, uh, Uganda. And um, I remember him talking about, you know, um, ceilings that would be there, demonic ceilings in the second heavens. And that, um, you know, but it took the fire of God uh, through prayer. You know, it was the fiery prayers when people had other kind of prayers that didn't pierce those things. But when uh, the, the Lord gave him a vision of that, when it was fiery, bold, courageous prayers prayed with authority, that it pierced right through that ceiling that tried to be there. So, okay, that's one thing. So then we know our, our classic uh, scripture, uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. We know uh, that's out of 1 Chronicles uh, 7.14. And so um, let's break that down, you know, and take that apart. So he says, it's my people. So first of all, he's speaking of a covenant relationship with someone. Uh, you know, just anybody can't go. He didn't make that promise to just anybody. He made that promise to his people. He said, who are called by my name. So whenever God calls us, God calls us for a reason. He calls us for a purpose. And he says, who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves, first of all, if they will pray, if they will seek my face, if they will turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. So we've got four things going on there. Humble ourselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then he says he will hear from heaven. He will forgive their sins. But look at the last part. He says I will heal their land. 
So he has tied them to the place and given them responsibility for the place where they are ge geographically situated. And so we are, we are not where we, we are by happenstance. We are there by design. You know, um, I have been teaching on the broadcast uh, a, a scripture out of Psalms um, 37, and we all know this scripture. And the scripture says that the, the Lord has ordered that the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And so that word there, ordered, is actually a military term. And it has to do with battle lines, it has to do with rank, it has to do with a war, with a battle, with a fight. So when God sits our feet somewhere, when he situates us in a certain place, it is a military tactic on his behalf. We're not just there, you know, it's something about that area that God wants to accomplish, that he wants to advance his kingdom in that area. And we are part of his army. We have been sent and deployed there on purpose. We have been equipped. We have gone through uh, basic training. We, you know, many of us, you know, are special ops. You know, he has uh, given us uh, specific training in certain areas, but it is to bring transformation to an area. So if we think outside of the four walls of the church, you know, this will help to encourage us to use our voice and to determine that I cannot be silent, I cannot be timid, I cannot be intimidated by the enemy, that my voice counts and my voice counts um, with the one who it counts the most with. He has promised to hear me. I'm in covenant with him. I'm asking him something according to his word. He hears me. I will have the petitions that I've requested of him. So I can go in with that confidence. Amen. So, um, um, just, um, you know, I, I just want us to be mindful of that. So going back to this scripture in, in uh, Chronicles, um, so... He's told us these things, but what I want to uh, focus in on is he said, if we will pray, and that word pray there is uh, from the Hebrew word palal, P-A-L-A-L, palal, uh, and it means to judge, to think, to suppose, to execute judgment, to intercede, to interpose, to supplicate. And so, you know, when we look at that in terms of him saying that he would hear from heaven, he would forgive their sins, and he would heal their land. So we already know the basics. You know, we know that um, if we are proud that the Lord doesn't hear us um, and that we have to seek him, which means, you know, we're, we're, we're there with him for a time. And no matter whoever else we pray with, we might have our prayer partner, we might have our prayer, you know, people that, um, you know, that, that we are part of. But just like um, any athlete, it's when we practice off of the court. It's when we, you know, get our dribbling skills down, when we, you know, uh, go to the gym and we're constantly uh, making shots, you know, over and over, over again until we get our rhythm. 
then we are a blessing to our team because of our own individual due diligence. You know, we bring a glory. We bring a strength. We bring something to the table that um, those that don't spend their own time that just count on their corporate, you know, praying, they don't bring. So what we're talking about, owning our voice. And so these are some of the things that would keep us from doing so. So uh, we humble ourselves. Uh, we, we seek the face of the Lord. We know we have to have repentance, you know, even of the smallest things that the enemy would seek to use those as a technicality to negate our voice at the table. Uh, that in the courtroom he would try to uh, allow that to be a legal maneuver in the court of heaven that we cannot, you know, um, uh, talk, that we don't have anything to say, that we don't have a leg to stand on, that we don't have any grounds. He will try his best to disqualify our voice. But when we do these things, when we take care of this as covenant people, uh, then God has promised that he would hear us, forgive our sins, and heal our land. So anyway, um, back to... Um, you know, even the piece of um, uh, humbling ourselves. And this is what uh, uh, came to me about pride, that pride has two sides. And we all know the mo more common side of pride, that that pride is when we think more highly of ourselves or better than someone else or whatever, whatever, like that. But then there's another kind of pride, um, which would cause us to be timid, to shrink back, to hide ourselves from others and to hide ourselves for fear of what they will think or say. It's like, you know, trying to um, make sure that we're perfect somehow. And so if I don't say anything, if I don't say much, if I keep quiet, then I can't be judged. No, um, it's okay, you know, because we get better at what we do. Um, I was telling um, Renee, I was sharing a story with her you know, about um, um, the prophetic, you know, um, endowment, if you will, that um, I have also. But when I first started, you know, I said that there were two things that the Lord did in my life uh, early on and that, were, that he highlighted that were distinct. And one was intercession. The other one was prophecy. And so I wasn't afraid, you know, in the congregational type of, of, of um uh, prophecy from 1 Corinthians 12, you know, bringing forth, um, you know, uh, prophecy, tongues and interpretation, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I wasn't afraid to do that congregationally. I could close my eyes and just go and, you know, um, the Lord would bless people and all of that. But when the Lord graduated me from that level, I was invited to be a part of a presbytery team. And I was so, you know, so nervous. I, I uh, threatened not to even go to this conference so that I could get out of it. And uh, the Lord just divinely orchestrated, you know, um, through the host for me to be with the person that had asked me that I was standing there praying, oh, God, don't let me be on her team. You know, and that was the very team that I ended up being on. But it was to challenge me to go higher in the prophetic, you know. And so if I, if, if I had stayed there and shrunk back and said, I'm never going to none of those things again because they're not going to be putting me out on Front Street. Yes, I was embarrassed, you know. But what that embarrassment did instead of 
was uh, causing me to, to turn inward and declare that I was never going to do it again and not use my voice because the prophecies weren't for me. Those were to bless somebody else's life. What I determined was that I wasn't going to do it anymore until I got some training. And so I went and I, you know, I, I learned how to do that next piece, you know, of personal prophecy and opening my eyes and, and saying something to a person standing before me. That was a graduation. But I had to cooperate with the process and allow myself to go through that initial uncomfortableness. And so I would say that to any of us that are, you know, that are timid, that, you know, are, are hesitant about using our voice or using your voice in certain situations. Uh, maybe you're comfortable in one area, but some uh, in, in another area you freeze, you freeze up, um, you know, uh, practice. You know, just practice hearing your voice out loud. Pray some prayers into your tape recorder and then play those prayers back to yourself, you know, so you can hear yourself praying. Uh, pray with authority, you know, pray loudly, pray softly, you know. If, uh, pray, I, I sing in the spirit, you know, I like to create uh, my own atmosphere inside of my own self, you know. And so you get used to doing that and hearing your own voice. And then you're not afraid of your voice. You're not trying to hide your voice or go over in the corner somewhere and not let you be heard. You know, want you to be uh, drowned out in the sound of everybody else. Know if it's ever time for God to tag you and say you're it and you stand up no matter where you are, that you are confident that God is the one that I'm in covenant with. He will back me. You know, I used to be very self-conscious about um about my voice because I had this southern uh, uh, draw and you know I didn't want to talk and I didn't definitely didn't want to talk out loud because I didn't want anybody to hear it but I had to get past all of that that was pride you know that was me thinking more worrying more about somebody else and what they thought about my voice than to realize you know that's what I bring to the table it's not that you know it's what is the Power. What is the impact? What is the spirit of the Lord? You know, uh, Paul, he said that I didn't come with the enticing words of man's wisdom. I didn't come for all of that. I came to demonstrate the power of the spirit of God. And that's what it is. And anybody that really wants to be impacted uh, by God, um, that's what they want. And that's what a region needs. That's what a city needs. That's what our families and our churches need. They need the demonstration of the power of God. And what brings the demonstration and the power and the glory of the Lord is our covenant relationship with the Lord, our, uh, you know, our honoring that. Uh, God honors us, but God is just waiting for us. He's, he won't do it for us. Um, He's waiting for us to stand up, you know, and uh, to be counted and to uh, to be a part of the orchestra, be a part of the team, a strong part of the orchestra or the team. Amen. So um, this paleo, um, this paleo uh, means to, um, you know, to um, 
to, uh, as we said, to judge, uh, this to pray. So the Lord, one of the things that he said in Chronicles is if his people would pray. So if his people, if we interchange the words, uh, pray for the, some of the synonyms for pray there. If my people who are called by my name, if they will execute judgment, if they will think, if they will suppose and deliberate about what's going on, if they will intercede, if they will go in between and, and be in the gap for somebody else, if they will interpose, if they will position themselves between this thing that's happening over here and this that's happening over there, if they will supplicate, if they're, you know, uh, supplicate, we know, is an earnest cry. Uh, before the Lord, you know, and when something says earnest, that means that it has some emotion with it, and there are times that we have to forget about ourselves in order to travail, in order to grow, you know, there are sometimes sounds that will come up out of us when we're interceding for someone else, and we cannot suppress those sounds for fear, you know, I mean, if you at the office, you probably better suppress or ask, can you have an early lunch break or something or other, but I'm talking about if you're in your home, you know, and you have the liberty to supplicate, to lift your voice, then again, we cannot be overly concerned about what I sound like and these sounds that are coming from me. Amen. So to execute judgment upon a matter, you know, with the word of God, if we know that something is illegal in the realm of the spirit, that something is not the will of God for a person's life, you know, and and, and I, I, I'm hoping that, you know, you're already there. If there are any of you that are not, you arm yourself with the word of God, you know, uh, because these are the things that the Lord honors when we pray. If we ask anything according to his word, he's going to hear us because he's magnified. He's made his word larger than anything else. He and his word are one. God is, the, the in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, and nothing was done without the word. So they are the same, and so we bring the word of God in prayer. That is a legal tactic. We bring that in, and the enemy, just like when Jesus said, it is written, when we do that, it is written. You know, when we uh, declare, enforce, uh, execute judgment with the word of God, the enemy has to back down. So, um, and how did he tell us to come? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he says for us, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may do what? That we may obtain mercy. We may find grace to help in the time of need. There's always some time of need. And so that's how the Lord invites us to come. We don't have to come, um, we don't have to come, um, you know, uh, timidly. We don't have to come fearfully. You know, uh, God does not have a big stick waiting to hit us over the head. You know, the enemy, he'll try to remind us of all kinds of things. He'll bring all kinds of stuff before us when we're uh, seeking to approach God. Well, we have to understand his tactics, you know, that sometimes he's just like a spoiled kid that is jumping up and down before us trying to distract us. But when we move him out of the way, we will have progress. 
So I'm getting to the end of my time. It's a couple other things that I want to share with you. We're talking about owning our voice and the things that keep us from doing so. So fear and intimidation uh, would be one of those things, things that would keep us from uh, coming to the throne of grace boldly, that would keep us from having confidence. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, um, if we, you know, that was in Hebrews chapter 4, that we are to come boldly. It was an invitation to come boldly unto the throne of grace. But then we see in Hebrews chapter um, 5, the very next thing that, that he says, and uh, those of us that know the Bible and how it's constructed, uh, you know that, that things like paragraphs and chapters and verses and all of that, those were additions uh, that came much later after the Bible uh, was written and that those things were just to help with understanding and all of that, but they weren't in the original writings of the Bible. So um, if we look at it as a continuous thought of the Lord, um, then, you know, um, it will help us. So I'm getting to Hebrews chapter 5 here is what I'm doing. Okay, so after he's invited us to come boldly unto the throne of grace, seeking to obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of need, then over in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with, inf with infirmity or weakness. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. <laughs> so, in the beginning of that, this is a New Testament scripture, and even though it's a New Testament scripture, it's talking about a high priest. And, you know, the characteristics, the role of the high priest, that he is taken from among men, is ordained for men and things pertaining to God. Well, further on, in um, another place, uh, the Lord calls us that. Um, let's see, where is that at?
you know, that God chose to have an author in a particular book of the Bible, uh, when he gave him, when he inspired that person to write that book, you know, the words that he had them to choose, they had significance and meaning. So it's not a coincidence that the very next chapter that the Lord would start describing, have um, Peter to start, I mean, um, uh, the Apostle Paul to start describing uh, a high priest. And, and so then in First Peter, for him to, uh, for the Lord to give the revelation to Peter that that's who we are, that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And so we know ourselves, know who we are, uh, what uh, we have, you know, um, to offer what we bring to the table, what our position is, the authority. And this is the, the last thing that I would uh, share with you, you know, about uh, the word authority. We know that, um, you know, that there is uh, power that the Lord gives to us, which is dunamis, you know, the same as the word dynamite, explosive power is what he gives to us when Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing that we do by any nothing that he does by any means will hurt us and then he also gives us authority and authority is from the greek word um exousia and it's you know it's delegate delegated it's conferred upon us we are given it to operate in the name of another and so uh authority is given to us to operate and act on behalf of the kingdom of god and so there are some other synonyms uh, or meanings that go with the word authority have to do with jurisdiction have to do with liberality have to do with favor and blessing so when we go in on behalf of others these are the things that we are, are bringing to the, the table. These are the things that when we execute judgment, these are the things that we're insisting upon in prayer because it is the will of God. It's already embedded in the meaning and the definition when Jesus said, you know, behold, I give unto you power. I give unto you delegated authority. I give unto you exousia. I give you the right to rule in my stead. I give you the right to speak on my behalf. Amen. So all of this, you know, tying all of this up, um, owning our own voice, we know that, you know, that there are protocols, uh, that even in an army, you know, that there are different ranks in an army, and uh, those ranks have different levels of authority. They have uh, different level, levels of, of liberality, of, uh, you know, command, and that sort of thing. So uh, it's no such thing as having no, you know, like when Jesus, when he talked to uh, the uh, centurion, when he asked him to heal his servant that was at home, and Jesus marveled at the faith of this man, and he said, I've not seen anything like that, you know, but the, what the man said to Jesus, he said, I am a man that is under authority. I have authority over some, but I myself am also under authority. <clears throat> that is, you know, so uh, critical that um, if we are going to own our own voice and the enemy does not have any technical rights against us, 
to shut down our voice. We have to be under authority. The grace that we operate in, the glory that rests upon our lives, it does so as we are submitted to authority. So we can't be long rangers, you know, doing our own thing and hope to also be able to own our own voice and walk in authority and walk in the glory of the Lord. They go hand in hand. So 